Good morning. We are in this uh, series that we're doing called uh, James Advice for Refugees Traveling the Jesus Road. So if you recognize this isn't your home, you just kind of long for something a little better. You know, there is a better, a better place. One of these days I expect to be there. Amen. Not too soon, not too soon, but I, <laughs> I expect to be there. That's, that's my home, that's my destination. In the meantime, I'm a refugee down here. I really don't fit really don't belong. This world is not my home. This is, this, this is not where I want to spend the rest of eternity. I've got a better place. So we're, we're looking at James chapter 5 today, some verses out of chapter 5 that help us know how to navigate the Jesus road. You know what navigate means? Here's how Webster defines it. To steer a course through a medium. Through a medium means... It might be this, might be that. Now, typically, we use the word navigate. We think of on the ocean. Now, how do we get from here to there when there's no reference points? There's no street signs. How do we know where to turn? But now, people fly. So navigate is a term that's used for flying. How do you, where do you turn left, turn right, how high? There's no reference points up there in the sky. So how do you know? You've got to navigate it. You and I typically use the word navigate when we're taking a trip. We're in our automobile, and there's so many options, so many different ways I could take, but we have this new scientific device called a GPS that helps us navigate the highways, can even tell you when there's a traffic tie-up up ahead, so you can take a detour if you want. It's so amazing. If we ever got in a war again, I don't know what GPS would do for us, because the enemy knows everything we know. So it's, navigate is how to make the right decisions while I'm on the journey. I'm not at my home yet. I'm headed for my home, but I'm living down here, and there's things that happen down here on this planet that just give me confusion. I'm not sure which way to take. I need some spiritual GPS to direct me in the right way. How do, where do I turn? How do I deal with this conflict? How do I deal with this problem that's come up? That's navigating. So how do we navigate the Jesus road for us as refugees on this journey? So in uh, James chapter 5, I've got four um, aspects or things that he tells us to do, rules that we should follow in navigating this life down here. And here's the first one, if you want to write it down in your notes. Resist taking advantage of the weak. We need to resist that temptation. We're always going to have people around us that are weaker than we are. They don't have the faith we have. They don't have the the financial resources we we have. They, They just don't have what we have. And it's easy for us to take advantage of them. And James tells us not to. Listen to what he says here in chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. You refused to pay the people who worked in your fields, and now their unpaid wages are shouting out against you. The Lord All-Powerful has surely heard the cries of the workers who harvested your crops, while here on earth you have thought only of filling your own stomachs, And have a good time. 
But now you are like fat cattle on your way to be butchered. You have condemned and murdered innocent people who couldn't even fight back. He's writing to Christians here. He's not talking about the, the abusive secular world out there. He's, he's talking to Christians. We've got to be careful that we don't pick up the secular world's way of doing things. God's got a whole different philosophy and a whole different way for us to live our life in navigating this Jesus road. To take advantage of the weak is a temptation of pride. One of the big problems we have in the church world is spiritual pride. We think we have arrived. We think we're a little better than the people who are out there where we were before. And we tend to want to take advantage of them. It's a natural temptation of pride, spiritual pride. We think we're better than somebody else. One of the things, this, this is part of my life testimony. One of the things that God will not let me get away from is where I came from. He keeps reminding me of those humble roots I had in the beginning when he called me into ministry. I didn't deserve it. I got some ugly things in my past that God had to deliver me from. But I've been delivered. And it's changed the way I think. It's changed the way I treat other people. There's always somebody who's not spiritually where I am. And what I have to do is reach down and pull them up. I must never take advantage of somebody else who's not where I am. You must never take advantage of someone else who's not where you are. So resist taking advantage of the weak. The world has this philosophy. It's called survival of the fittest. It's the basic principle of evolution. That we humans are more highly evolved than the dogs and the cats. So it's survival of the fittest. Whoever is the fittest takes advantage of those other ones, those other life forms. Of course, as it applies to human nature and the culture in which we live, survival of the fittest means the guy who's got more money, the guy who's got more fame, the guy who's got more influence wins over everybody else. Take advantage of everybody else. You hear what I'm saying? Resist. This is, this is one of the basic points if we're going to be successful on this journey on the, the refugee road is to resist taking advantage of the weaker ones around us. Just don't do it. Help somebody else. Here's the second principle I want us to see. This is found in verses 7 and 8. Remain patiently steadfast. You know what patient means? Yeah, you know what patience means. You don't like it, but you know what it means. We Christians have to be patient on this refugee road. And you know what steadfast means? It means you don't budge. So all of us Christians, we need to evaluate right now what we believe. What do we believe and how does that apply to my life individually? Not all of us Christians, but my life personally, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What do I believe? And then I need to be patiently steadfast and not budge. Hang on to that. In verses 7 and 8, 
James says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Did you know that Jesus Christ is coming back again? Yeah, you've, you've heard it, but do you really believe that? Do you really know it's happening? Can you read the newspapers? Can you watch the news and see the prophecies coming to pass? He's coming back soon. So, seed develops over time. Every farmer has to learn what patience is. If a farmer doesn't have patience, he's going to be very frustrated. He's going to plant in the spring and try to harvest in the summer. And guess who loses? The farmer that doesn't have patience. The crop is dependent on the rain. And the farmer cannot control the rain. It either comes or it doesn't come. And sometimes it comes too much. Every farmer has to be patient and wait. And so does every Christian. Because the blessings of God are like rain. And sometimes it doesn't come. Sometimes it does. In buckets full. So we have to remain patiently steadfast. Avoid get-rich-quick schemes. Because everybody's got one. And if it sounds too good to be true, guess what? It probably is. God has a way to prosper us. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. That's his way to prosper us. If we'll be faithful in bringing the 10% of our increase, whatever our increase is, whatever we do for a living, 10% of the increase goes into the storehouse so that the gospel can be furthered, so that it goes out to the world. And guess what? God works behind the scenes to prosper you. I've learned this with my own life. There were times when I, be, when I wondered, Anita and I would sit down and we would, we would talk about, is this, is this really working? Because we're given 10% of our income and we're working hard and we're believing in God for great things, but it looks like we're not prospering. It looks like it's just not there. Now, at this point in my life, as I look back over it, and I'm sure Anita would agree with me, we would have never thought we would be where we are today. How did this happen? How did this blessing show up at the last minute? How did this happen? It's God's favor. And I believe it's a spiritual principle that will work for every one of us. But we have to be patiently steadfast and wait on God. He's the one who brings the harvest. Because that, that patience, that patience gives us confidence and gives us hope. If you don't have patience, you're not going to have the confidence or the hope. Just trusting God. God works through process. Yes, I believe he does miracles. But every time he does a miracle, a big uh, 
breakthrough miracle of provision. Every time God does this miracle, there's been a whole process working behind the scenes. Somebody else is praying for it, and all of a sudden the answer came to me. It's a process. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 30, verse 18. Yet the Lord belong, excuse me, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Did you know that? This is in the Bible. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are you who wait for him. Blessed are you who wait for him. You stay steadfast. God will, God will be God. Yes. He will bring about the blessing. Verse 9 here in James uh, chapter 5, verse 9, he says, Don't grumble about each other, or you will be judged. And the judge is right outside the door. Yes. God's always watching He's always got his eye on you. He's always got his eye on me. He sets up opportunities for me to do what he wants me to do. I just have to watch for him. Just have to watch for these opportunities. And God judges murmuring. Did you know that? Did you know that's in the Bible? God judges murmuring. I'm supposed to trust God in all things. But I try to play God myself when I grumble and gripe and complain about other people or my circumstances, my situation. Just trust God. Amen. You think something happened to you that God didn't know about? Yep. Come on. Just trust Him. Because God's watching your every move. Yes. He's watching. Like we're on trial every day. He's watching us. We're his kids. Those of you who are good parents, don't you have your eye on your kids all the time? You don't correct them all the time, but you always got your eye on them. God's that way. He's always got his eye on you because he loves you. All right, let's go to the third thing here. Third point I want us to see from James 5. Refine your patience through perseverance. Patience is a key thing to keep trusting in God. And we refine it by staying steadfast, holding steady, perseverance. Verses 10 and 11 say, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. He's talking about the the Old Testament prophets and the and it was still the same principle to the New Testament apostles with the persecution that they had to deal with. Most of us, we don't know what persecution is. Somebody snickers at us when they, when they see a Bible in our hand or they see us bow our head before lunch in the lunchroom. We think that's persecution. Listen, these people lost their lives. They lost their homes. They had to flee for their lives. Get a job somewhere else. We need to wait to see what the Lord will do with us. Yes. Wait to see what the Lord will do. You Don't get mad at God because He didn't take care of you today. You just watch and see what He's going to do with this. 
This is what faith is, a walk of faith. Wait and see what God's going to do. Don't give up so quick. Hang in there. Uh, it, I brought this in from home. This is a little game we have at home. It's, uh, it's a little metal base which gives you some answers. There's a yes, a maybe, definitely, no way, try again, ask a friend. Each, each of these answers has a magnet. And then you got this metallic ball here attached over it. And you just get the ball moving, and it gives you an answer. But you got to wait. <laughs> My granddaughter one time was playing this with me. And we got that ball going, and she wanted to ask it a question, and it just kept going and going, and every now and then she'd, she'd reach up, and I'd pull her hand back. I'd say, wait, wait, wait. And she'd reach out again, and wait, wait, wait. You just have to wait. Now, this stopped on the Yes. So the answer to the question was yes. But my granddaughter, you see, she didn't have the patience to wait. She wanted to direct it herself. Isn't that just like us? We ask, we ask God to do something, and then we keep reaching out and grabbing a hold of it and trying to control it. No, no wonder things don't work out, because we keep circumventing the system. Trust Him. Be patient. Verse 11, last half of verse 11 says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. If you go back and read the book of Job, we see one miserable guy. He's a man of faith, but he goes through one crisis after another. He loses his children. They're all killed in a, in a horrible accident. Loses his finances, loses his land, loses everything that God's blessed him. And even his supportive wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? She's a real supporter, you know. Why don't you just curse God and die? That's encouragement for you. But then God turns it around. If you keep reading to the last chapter in the book of Job, you see that God gave him twice as many kids as he had at the beginning. You say, well, what kind of God is that? What kind of love is that? Let's all his kids die and then gives him double? God knows what he's doing and he doesn't check on us to see if it's all right. That's right. He's got a plan. He's got a plan. He doesn't promise to hug us and pat us on the back and be a good daddy to us. He promises to be a shepherd and a spiritual father and help us navigate the Jesus road. Romans 5.3 says, but that's not all. We gladly suffer because we know that suffering helps us to endure. That's not the attitude of most of us Christians. We don't gladly suffer. You see, we, what we have to do is we have to place ourselves in the potter's hands. Yes. Let him shape us and form us. And he doesn't check on us to see if it's okay. He just does it. And if we resist it, we're going to be like all these other Christians outside the church doing nothing this morning but watching TV 
or mowing the lawn, raking leaves. But we're God's people, and his favor is upon us, and he's working out good things in our lives. We just have to be patient and wait for that. Endurance means tenacity. You know what tenacity means? You hang on and you don't let go. You hang on to your faith. You don't give up. Yes. Tenacity means you stick to it. Yes. Come on, you hang on to that faith no matter yes. what. Because God is tenacious. Yes. He doesn't give up. He keeps hanging on to you. He keeps believing that something good is about to come out of you. He keeps... God limits himself. He doesn't do miracles on his own anymore. He waits on us. He only works through us. And if we don't do anything, God won't do anything. That's right. Come on. So we need to be prayer warriors. We need to be praying because yes. God answers our prayers. Yes. He does. Just a matter of time. We have to wait. You see, we live in two dimensions. We are two-dimensional people as Christians. The first dimension is the natural dimension. Too cold in the winter, too hot in the summer. That's the natural dimension. There's also a spiritual dimension that you can't see. It's just as real. Just as real out here. There are angels. There are angels. They don't have bodies, so you can't see them. There are demons. They don't have bodies, so you can't see them. But it is functioning in the spiritual dimension. And Satan will come at us with spiritual attacks. Yes. And those spiritual attacks manifest in the natural. You didn't know it was Satan that brought it about. But it manifests in the natural. And because the problem is a natural problem, you can go to a doctor and the doctor can prescribe some medicine or some therapy to help you with that. But the source is spiritual. Sometimes it works, works out with a financial downturn. That appliance that cost you so much money breaks down the day after the warranty expires. <laughs> that timing should tell you something. Satan's trying to steal your blessings. Sometimes it has to do with a relationship problem. Satan attacks us with relationships. Relationships for us humans is a very important thing. And sometimes they go awry, break down, Satan's attack. You can go to a marriage counselor that will help you because it was a spiritual attack that worked out in the natural, in the natural. So don't be afraid to deal with the natural problem, but also don't be afraid to recognize it's a spiritual source. Deal with that as well. Don't just go to the doctor pray at the same time you see you and I set up opportunities for God to bless us Jesus said watch and pray in other words while you're praying watch for what God sets up in your life when you see God set something up recognize it do acts of kindness for people who are weaker than you Help people get up. Help people overcome. And when you do that, God's watching. You see, you're setting yourself up for an opportunity for God to bless you. Yes. 
That's what we Christians do. We are always setting ourselves up. Okay, here's the last point, the fourth one. Reclaim the truth. Reclaim the truth. James says it like this in verse 12. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. King James Version says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Speak the truth. We need to reclaim that in our world today because deception rules. If I can deceive people and people are gullible enough to, to listen to my deception, they're, they're deceived. And I can manipulate people around me. We see this all the time. Don't we? This deception. I remember uh, my, my primary news source some years ago was CNN. They got a lot of money. They put a lot of money in, in gathering the news, and they have reporters out there taking pictures and videos. And I remember on CNN, uh, before, before the election where Trump got elected, the news reporter was given the news, and he called Donald Trump a clown. Use the word in the news, a clown. And I thought to myself, that's commentary. That's not the news. He's not giving me facts. He's giving me his opinions. And I got frustrated and I stopped listening to CNN because I don't want to be exposed to this left-wing propaganda. So I switched over to Fox News. And then Tucker Carlson comes on Fox News and called COVID-19 a hoax perpetrated by the Democrats to keep Donald Trump from getting reelected. I was doing COVID funerals. Tucker Carlson said it was like a cold. This is all it was. I got mad at Fox News. I stopped listening to it because I didn't want to be exposed to that right-wing propaganda. I want the truth. Just give me the truth and quit trying to spin my mind with propaganda. Don't want to hear that. Just, I want to know what's happening in the world around me, but I don't want to be deceived. We all should have that, have that kind of... Uh, desire for truth for truth we need the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love you don't speak the truth in hate deception and propaganda to try to deceive people because the world around you is stupid I don't want to be treated like I'm stupid I want to be treated with respect so I now get my news from AP News, which is, that's where the newspapers get their news. It's kind of in the middle. Gives me the truth. It doesn't give me a bunch of propaganda. Because we live in a world of deception. Right. Heard this, this story about this lady who was having a, uh, a dinner at her house. So she went to the butcher shop to buy a chicken because she wanted to fix chicken for the meal. So she ordered this chicken. And the butcher reached down and pulled up this chicken and put it on the scales. Lady looked at it. She thought, you know, that doesn't look like it's, it's enough. I, I, I think I ought to have a bigger chicken. 
So the butcher, butcher picked up the, the chicken and put it back under there, and he realized he only had one chicken. So he put that chicken back up on the scales and pressed down with his thumb a little bit. <laughs> Weighed more. That's a bigger chicken. And the lady looked at that chicken, and she said, you know, on second thought, I think I need a bigger chicken yet, so just give me both of those chickens. <laughs> Your deception will always catch you. Your deception will always catch you just like it did for the butcher. Worship team's going to come on up. Uh, but before we go to the, into this last song, you and I on this refugee road need to be careful to build a reputation of trustworthiness. We as Christians, we need to get the world to believe in us. Otherwise, they won't believe in anything we say about our faith. We need to be trustworthy. That's your yay, be yay, your nay, nay. Just speak the truth and do it in love. You build a reputation of trustworthiness over a lifetime. You wreck your reputation of trustworthiness in two minutes. Just by telling a falsehood. People won't believe you anymore. We need to work toward that. We need to work toward that. Keep your word. If you're going to say something, say it and mean it. Keep your word. We need to be people of truth. If I said it yesterday, I need to hold to it today. Well, yeah, but things changed in my life. Doesn't make any difference. When we, were, when we built this building, we received pledges from people. We asked people to make a pledge on what they would be able to give toward this building. And we asked people to do it in faith, based on what you expect your income to be. So people would pledge in faith. And we had some people that lost their jobs after that. It was a minority. The vast majority of people kept their word all the way through that. But there were a couple people that had downturns in their circumstances, and they just could not continue to pay it. We forgave them in a minute. But we need to be careful what we say because God's listening to us. God's watching what we say. So keep your word. Here are four basic principles on how to navigate the Jesus road. Practice them, and I'll promise to you, God will watch over you. He will take care of you. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to sing one more song.